0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here today. All of you who are worshiping with us online, we're so grateful that you are with us and a part of our service today on Mother's Day, and everyone who is in person, I know we've already done it, but can we, could we ever do it too much? I'm gonna ask if your mother is in your room right now where you are listening from, or in this room at Sugar Land Campus, would you right now share your love with her by an applause, we love you, we're so grateful. So grateful for your influence in our lives. This last week, there was um, uh, a leak about a possible ruling that will be by the Supreme Court. Uh, The leak should not have happened, but it did. And it's amazing it would happen right before Mother's Day. I think that's pretty interesting. I want to talk about that at the end of the service, but not now. You may notice that I got a very handsome young guy right here beside me, and this is my grandson, Jude. Jude, would you introduce yourself?
1: Uh, Hi, I'm Jude. I'm in the seventh grade and I'm 13 years old.
0: Yeah, and he loves baseball as much as I do. I thought I would never find anybody that loved baseball and knew baseball as, as like I do. And I just have been, we've had so much fun together, Jude and I, about talking baseball. Jude is an excellent baseball player, but I got to tell you, he understands the rules. He understands the strategy. And it is so much fun to watch a ball game with him and talk baseball with him. And not just that, he pretty well knows every major league baseball player and their stats I don't know how you keep up with that and even those minor league baseball players that are coming up I I, I'm we just have the most the most fun together now because you know so much about baseball Jude do you remember Jackie Robinson and who he is
1: Yes, he's actually the first African-American baseball player.
0: Yeah, he is. And what what, uh, team did he play for?
1: The Dodgers. And what is
0: your favorite team?
1: The Dodgers. The Dodgers.
0: You are an Astros fan, yes, but the Dodgers are his favorite. I don't know. I've tried my best. And so it is what it is. But do you remember the general manager's name of the Dodgers when Jackie Robinson came up?
1: Branch Ricky.
0: Branch Ricky. Did you know that when Jude and I were talking about this a few days ago, I asked him that question knowing he wouldn't know? The general manager's name of, I don't know, 70 years ago, I don't know how long it's been. The general managers of the Dodgers, Branch Rickey came out of his mouth. I said, I cannot believe my ears. Branch Rickey, in his own story, tells about why he did what he did with Jackie Robinson and bringing him up. He said, he, is a, he was a devoted follower of Christ, and he said that the Holy Spirit of God was speaking to him constantly, You. Must be the one that breaks the color barrier, and you must be the one that brings Jackie Robinson. That was the choice up, and he was a great choice. And I am so uh, impressed with this guy, Branch Rickey. Now, what has happened over the course of all these years? Uh, the color barrier that was broken was not just breaking the color barrier for black athletes, black pa- black uh, players, but also for Hispanic players and for Asian players. All of the ceiling was broken, and everyone was welcomed in. So, I want us to think about some of the names, Jude, that have come up through baseball that we just loved watching. Who are some of these guys?
1: Ken Griffey Jr., Roberto Clemente, Itro Suzuki, and Willie Mays.
0: Yeah, Willie Mays. Can you believe we wouldn't have had Willie Mays without this? And Hank Aaron, who, who broke uh, uh, the all-time home run record uh, of Babe Ruth, and, uh, of, at least at that time he had broken it. And other people, Willie Stargell, there's so many guys that have come from all over the world. And what we have discovered in the midst of all of this, there have been so many great white players and black players and Hispanic players and now Asian players are coming. And what we have discovered is we're better together. We're better Together. Jackie Robinson was a devoted follower of Christ too. I don't know if you knew that. That means, Jude, he was our brother in Christ. And the reason I bring him up is because I wanted to read his, his quote. Jackie Robinson made this statement. He said, the significance of your life is determined by the positive impact it has on others. He's right. You, all of us, Have the opportunity to create a legacy. Maybe there's not millions of people that know who we are, but there are people that we have the ability to touch their life, to matter for their life, to leave a legacy. And the whole idea of leaving a legacy has to do with character. And its character, we want to talk to you about today. We've been in a series in the book of Daniel that is just the first six chapters of Daniel entitled Standing Strong. And today is the last message in this series, and we want to look at a very familiar story in the Old Testament of Daniel and the lion's den. So in this story, what we're going to see is character. And this morning, we want to talk to you about the influence of character. So Jude, I'm going to ask you to help get us started. Would you read the first three verses of Daniel chapter 6, and we'll, we'll uh, watch with you as you do it.
1: It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps or governors to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional spirit, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom.
0: Yeah, Uh, today is Mother's Day and it's sort of, you know, maybe, he's going, maybe they're going to teach on, on mothers, but we're not. But I will tell you what we are going to teach on. We're going to teach on what every single mother in the world hopes for their daughters and for their sons, that they would grow up to be adults of character. That they would love God, they would walk with God, and that their life would reflect God. And that is what we wanna talk to you about today. And the very first principle that we see in the passage is this idea that people of character wanna be around other people of character. Here is Darius who is the king of the new Medo-Persian Empire. They had just defeated the Babylonian Empire, last chapter. And now the Persians were in charge. And this is the first king that takes over. His name is Darius. And Darius is an amazing leader. He knows leadership when he sees it. And he sees it in Daniel. What is shocking is that he would pick Daniel to be a leader at all in the Persian Empire. He's not Persian. Daniel had actually, at least in the early part of his life, been a part of uh, the leadership in the Babylonian Empire because of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, there was a day in which other kings arose. They had nothing to do with Daniel, and Daniel just kept living his life. But now the Persians are in charge, and of all things, some way, somehow, God allowed Darius to meet this man, and he saw the leadership capability in Daniel, Now he wasn't Babylonian, that worked in his favor I suspect. He was Jewish and I think that worked in his favor as well. By this time, Daniel is 80 or 90 years old. Jude, when we started this series in chapter one, he was your age. And now, Daniel is 80 or 90 years of age. And all these years, all these decades, he has stayed true and faithful to God. And here he is, an old man, and he is picked to be one of the three administrators over the entire empire. Uh, Darius divided the entire Persian empire into 120 states. Each state had a governor and three administrators. Each administrator oversaw 40 governors, and one of those administrators was Daniel. He saw something in Daniel that was more than leadership. Notice what verse 3 said that, that uh, Jude read for us. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the whole kingdom that word that is translated spirit and the NIV they translate it talent and that, I think that is a poor translation honestly and you can look at all the other translations and none of them do that because this word is not does not mean in, in the Hebrew talent he is talking about something inside of him the word spirit is a good word but he is actually talking about Daniel's character who he is on the inside. The word character means honesty, hard work, being dependable, being a person of courage, being kind, and being loyal. That's character. Jude, I want to tell you a story. You already heard it, obviously, in first service, but I want to tell a story about your dad about this subject. Uh, Jude's dad, Matthew, uh, when he was uh, in, I think, going into the seventh grade, uh, I had said to both he and your Uncle John that uh, when they got to be 16 years old or 17, if they had saved by that time $5,000... That at when they got their driver's license, I would match the 5000 and we'd go out and buy a car for $10,000. Well, I'm telling you, your dad got fired up about that idea. And he was in the seventh grade and I had shown him how to operate a lawnmower, how to do the trimmer and the edger and the blower and all that sort of thing. And in the summer, after his seventh grade year, he asked me permission to began mowing at least one yard for somebody else. And he got up to two yards in that summer. He already knew how to do it. He started mowing lawns that were in the neighborhood that we live in. Well, uh, after he would finish mowing the lawn, he didn't know. I would always go over and check it out, make sure it was fine, and and it was always good. He always did a, a really good job. So at the end of his eighth grade year, in that summer, he asked me permission to mow five lawns. I gave him permission. We figured out a way to get the the equipment to each lawn and he mowed five lawns. In between his eighth grade year and the summer after his ninth grade year, he would send reminder cards to those, those people that he had mowed lawns for so they would stick with him the, the next summer. I didn't tell him to do that. He just did that on his own. So the summer after then his ninth grade year, he mowed 10 yards. He asked, could I mow 10? Now he is saving money, man. He could save money, putting it in a savings account. And in fact, he informed everyone, I no longer want birthday presents or Christmas presents. I want money. I want money. And so the money would always go into his savings account. He was trying to get to 5000 It was in the summer of after his ninth grade year that I got a telephone call at the church. I was a pastor in Oklahoma, and this guy that he had been mowing for the year before, and now this year, this guy found out who I was and where I worked, and he called the church. And he said, I want to talk to the pastor about his son, Matthew, he mows my yard oh man, when I heard who was on the phone, I thought, what has he done? And so uh, I was pretty nervous. I picked up the phone. Uh, hello. He said hi to me. I said, well, it, it, is there a problem? And he said, oh no. He said, your son, every time, and this is why I kept him for the next year. Every time your son tells me he'll be at my house, he's right on time. He works hard. He does a great job. I am really pleased with him. And I got to tell you, I think, I think very highly of your son. But he said, I I'm never going to forget what happened today I said what happened he said after he had done my yard I handed him a check for uh, the yard he put it in his pocket and then he turned to me and he looked me right in the eyes and and he said to me you know it's really important for me to mow lawns and to save money but something that's even more important to me is that I have accepted Jesus as my savior And he said, he looked me right in the eyes and he said, you know, Jesus means the world to me and I would love it if you came to know Jesus too. And the man said to me, you know, I gave my heart to Christ when I, early in my life and I have lived for him and he's my Lord, but he said, I have never had one person ever witness to me in my life. So he said, I said to him, well, tell me more. And he said, your son explained to me how he had come to know Christ as his savior, what Jesus had done for him in his life. And he said to me, I wanna share with you how you can know Christ as your savior and your son went through every point of the plan of salvation with me and then asked me, would you like to accept Jesus as your savior? Oh, wow, I, I... he said, I told your son, I already know the Lord is my savior, but Matthew, he said, Matthew, I've always, I have thought so highly of you, and now you're just out the roof. I'm going to tell you something, Jude, it was the greatest phone call I've, I've ever had in my life and ever had since. I was so proud of your dad. But I also want you to know more about your father. Your father was an average, everyday, ordinary kid, and he was in trouble every time I turned around. He, I had to ground him so many times, and if he tells you the opposite, he is not telling you the straight. He was just an ordinary kid, but I will tell you, he was building character. And in that key moment, he showed something that was beyond what I knew about your dad. The book of Proverbs chapter two actually talks about this whole idea of character. You see, there is never a time we stop, no matter how young you are or how old you are, all along the way, we're building character in our lives, every day of our life, layer after layer of character. And Proverbs chapter two, verse seven and eight puts it this way, God gives wisdom to the upright He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Do you know what he's saying? When you and I operate our life with integrity, with character, God gives us wisdom. He shows us the right decisions to make at the right moments of our life. He gives us wisdom, wisdom that is beyond our years. And he protects, he guards the path of of his godly ones. He will guard your path if you live your life with character. He'll guard you, he'll protect you. He will oversee your life. He will defend you. He will open up doors, Jude. He will open up doors in your life that would never be opened up otherwise. He will, he will promote you. He will give you blessings in, in your life. He will help you. He will be there in your life and guard you and, and encourage you and help you as you go through life. It isn't our talent that defines our life or our intelligence, and intelligence and talent is great. It's our character. Talent and intelligence, that's what God gives to us. Character is what we give back to God. And when other people of character see you with character, they wanna be around you, but Not everybody's gonna have that reaction. And Jude, tell us what's also in the passage.
1: If you try to live a life of character, those without it will try to bring you down. Daniel chapter six, verses four and five say this. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. The other guys in leadership hated Daniel. It wasn't because Daniel was proud or rude. They hated him because they were jealous. King Darius trusted Daniel and had planned to set him over the whole kingdom, putting the other two administrators out of their jobs. We can see this in real life as well. A person who is successful in business will find that other people will become jealous of them. A successful football coach will discover other people will try to criticize them and bring them down because of their success. Another thing is that Daniel was an honest leader. He wouldn't try to take advantage of his leadership position to steal money from the king. However, the other two administrators were not men of character like Daniel. They would try to line their pockets and steal from the king, but Daniel would not cooperate with them. His integrity stood in their way, and so they had to try to find a way to get rid of them. But they couldn't find any basis for charges against Daniel because he he was not corrupt or negligent. He was an excellent leader. He had great character and integrity. So they said in verse five, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel unless it is something to do with the law of his God. The only way they could try to bring him down had to do with his love for God. They thought that he loved his God too much, and so they tried to use that against him. It may be hard to believe, but I think that is exactly what will happen to us as this country becomes more and more hostile towards Christians. There will be times for you and me in which we will be criticized because of our commitment to God. Jesus even says this will happen in John fifteen twenty. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. What he's saying here is that they crucified him on a cross. If we choose to follow him, we, they'll do the same to us. We have to be willing to go through rejection for Jesus. Verses 6 and 7 say this. So the administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Here they were appealing to Darius' ego, They are saying, let's make you a God for a month. They weren't saying this because they thought Darius was a God. They are saying this because they knew that Daniel would still obey his God and still pray to his God, even if it meant breaking the law. And Darius took the bait. He put it into writing. And the law of the Medes and the Persians was so powerful that not even the king could overturn it once it had been written. So now they had Daniel right where they wanted him.
0: You're so right. They were manipulating him weren't they? they? They were flattering Darius to manipulate him, to get him to do something that was wrong, and he took the bait. What I have noticed, another principle that's in this passage, is that God has called us to stand for right, even if it means we have to stand alone. And that is exactly where Daniel finds himself. Here is this law that has said you got to treat Darius like a god and pray to him and only him for the next 30 days. But Daniel was not willing to do it. And notice what happens in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You see, there Daniel had picked three times a day that he would pray to God, a very special time of prayer to God. And in that time of prayer, he would ask God for help. He would ask God to, to meet his needs and take care of issues in his life, but he would also praise God. He would go up to the second floor of his house and he would open up the windows And he would get on his knees and he would pray and he would pray out loud, not in his mind. He would pray out loud. And he prayed toward the direction of Jerusalem. He prayed to the west and he prayed to the Lord. Well, now he has heard, if you pray to anybody but Darius for the next 30 days, you're gonna die. And you know what, we would have understood it, wouldn't we, if, 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 if Daniel would have come home and he kept all the windows closed and he'd get in a little corner of his house and he'd pray silently to God. Oh God, you know that you're the only God. You're the one that I really serve and not Darius. But you know, I think I'm gonna not open the windows now. I don't wanna get in trouble. I don't wanna rock the boat. That's not what Daniel did. He came home, he opened the windows. He got on his knees, he, he prayed to God out loud. He wasn't being defiant against Darius. He was obeying the word of God. Daniel knew he would die, but he still did it. And you know why he did it? He did it because of the Bible. He did it because of the Bible. He believed that the Bible is God's word. That what God says is right is right and what God says is wrong is wrong. And no matter who disagreed, no matter what it would mean in his life, he would honor God no matter what came. And there he is. And he is calling out to God. He does not care who hears him. He is not cowering down. Well, there... They were, the the bad guys, there they were. They were outside his window because they knew he was gonna do this. And they were listening. So Jude, what happens then?
1: Verses 11 through 14 say this. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man, except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands, in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put into writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel, made every effort until sundown to save him.
0: Yeah, Darius, it's obvious, Darius loves Daniel. And now he realizes he's been tricked, and Daniel has been unwilling to violate the word of God. Darius did everything he could do to rescue Daniel, he tried his hardest to to save him, but he could not do it because once it was a law, it was a law. And Darius watches as Daniel, 90-year-old Daniel, is lowered into the the lion's den. Did you know that Daniel did not know what was about to happen? Don't think he was uh, uh, arrogant saying, "Uh, I'm not worried about these lions, they won't do anything to me. Don't think that's what he was saying because he didn't know what would be the end result. As far as he knew, these lions would tear him apart and kill him but it would not change the fact that he would be true to God no matter what it cost him. He would honor the Lord no matter what the price. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not maybe, not perhaps. They will be, we will be. Jude, in my life as I was growing up, I I would have kids laugh at me and mock me because I was a Christian. I've had people tell me that I was crazy believing in God and the God of, uh, of, uh, of the universe. But in your life, it will be more severe. In your life, there will be people that come against you who want to silence you, who want to stop you, and there's no telling where we're headed. And you're gonna have to make a decision about who God is and who you are in relationship to God. Here is a promise that God makes to every one of us. God's word to the one with character is this, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. King Darius does everything he can do to rescue Daniel, but he can't. And Daniel is lowered into the lion's den. All night long, Darius stews and worries and is so afraid. He probably did not get a moment of sleep that night. He didn't know what to do. He was so worried. He was so upset about what had happened. He felt so guilty that he is the one that caused this. He let other people dupe him. And in the break of dawn, at the beginning, the, the very start of the next morning, the sun was coming up. He rushed back to the lion's den. He wanted, he wanted to see if Daniel was still alive. He didn't know what would, have, what would happen. And so read to us. Tell us what happens when Darius, Darius shows up.
1: At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions?
0: See how Darius loved Daniel? And did the lions eat Daniel? Nope. (laughs) No, they didn't, did they? This is the good part of the story. And notice what Daniel then says. As Darius calls out to him, Daniel replies in Daniel chapter six, verse 22. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I found I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. Now listen to me. Daniel didn't know this was going to happen. He did not know that God was going to rescue him. And sometimes God does rescue, and sometimes there is a miracle that happens, and sometimes there is an angel that shows up, but not every time. Not every time. God will allow us to make the decision and then pay the price, but we're paying the price out of our love for God. So listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 35. Others trusted God and were tortured, preferring to die rather than to turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection for a better life. Some were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips and others were chained in dungeons and some died by stoning and some were sawed in half. I can't even fathom that. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. And the world was not worthy of them. Sometimes when we stand for God, we pay the price, but we pay the price out of our love for him. And what an honor it is to be persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ. Well, they lifted... Daniel out of the lion's den, and then King Darius looked at the bad guys, the guys who had manipulated him, and he said to them, now it's your turn, and they threw those guys into the lion's den, and guess what? No angel showed up to shut the lion's mouth. They had a banquet that night, Jude, and the bad guys got exactly what they deserved. But listen to what Darius then says, King Darius, about God in in, uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 26. For God is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So what do we learn in this story? Well, let me tell you one more story about your, bro, your, 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 your dad and then let me just wrap it up. Your dad was saving money, trying to get to his $5,000. It was the end of his 10th grade year and it was summer and he was mowing lawns and he was working as hard as he could work trying to save the money. And he had gotten to about $4,500 by the end of the summer, still $500 short. This church at the end of the calendar year sends to people that have given money to the church, sends a giving record. I, Kathy and I get one every, every year and you do too. Gives a, it sends a giving record so that you can see what you gave to the church and you can then use it as a tax deduction for your income tax. But the church that I was at in Oklahoma started giving quarterly statements and so it was the end of July, and, and uh, uh, Kathy and I got our quarterly statement. And we looked through it. Yes, this is right. Uh, they, they, uh, uh, all the money we'd given to them, they got it right. But to our surprise, Matthew got a quarterly statement. Well, it's not a surprise he was giving from the time he was small, just like your parents have done with you, Jude, and your siblings. We taught our, our children to give back to God, to give a portion of what we get back to the Lord. And that had been a part of our discipling our children. But I hadn't thought of it. See, they didn't send children giving statements, only adults. And for some strange reason, Matthew got a giving statement at the end of the quarter. I'm admitting to you I did the wrong thing. Matthew wasn't home. And he got this letter that was addressed to him and I should have waited. And by the way, Nana had nothing to do with this, it was just me. I couldn't wait any longer. I opened up the giving statement and every single week he'd been tithing. And the church, our church was doing a building campaign and every single week he was giving above his tithe to the building program. He he was a 10th grader. I showed it to your grandmother and boy, we just fought back the tears not because we were surprised he gave. We weren't even thinking about that part. It was that he was demonstrating character. You see, he was trying to save $5,000. And it doesn't it make sense? If you're trying to save money, you can't give money away. And he could have easily said, I, I can't tithe. I got to save this money. But when we talked to your dad... He said to us, I I was trusting God by giving to him because I knew he would take care of me. He was demonstrating character all the way down to the tithe back to God. Well, Matthew got to to $5,000 by January, yay God for Christmas and his birthday because uh, he had been telling everyone no more presents for me, only money. And money started coming in and he got to $5,000 by his 16th birthday. And I added $5,000 and we went and bought his first car. And can I tell you something? It was one of the greatest joys of my life. $5,000 was hard for us to raise too. But that car represented the character of my son more than anything else. And his brother, by the way, did exactly the same thing. God has called us to live a life of character no matter how old we are, no matter how young, no matter how old we are. That we are to live a life every day, layer after layer of character and if we do, He will bless us. He will uh, open doors. He will honor our lives because we have obeyed his word. We have put him first in our life and I challenge in you today, would you do that in your life? Before I pray, Jude, you did a great job today. Thank you so much for helping me. You're welcome. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we say, Lord, we love you and we do love you, and we do believe your word and we do trust you. And God, sometimes it's so easy to compromise. But we ask that you would move in our hearts so that we would do the right things and live the right way. And when we screw up, because everybody does, when we screw up, we confess up and we ask for your forgiveness and we set our feet again in the right direction. God, I pray for everyone that is online and all of us in this room, that God, this would be a moment that you would deepen our walk with you, our trust in you, and our obedience, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.